Happy Easter! Happy Easter! Yeah! <laughs> I am pumped. It is Easter Sunday. He is risen. This is our story. Uh, today is the, the day. This is, I was talking to somebody before. Uh, this is the best day of the year. It's the day that we look at our risen Savior and we say He is alive. And because He's alive, so are we. And so we are going to read this story, this magnificent story which culminates with an empty tomb. And we're going to start this story together and see where it takes us today. If you have a Bible that's in front of the seat in front of you, we're on page 709. If you have a mobile device, we're in Mark 16. And we're going to start it off this way. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they were asking each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? It is very, very heavy. And apparently the men slept in, which is just shocking, right? Bible is far closer to us than we realize. But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, by the way, if you didn't understand already, it had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed as they should be. Don't be alarmed, he said, as if he knew their thoughts. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified but you ain't going to find Him. Why? He has risen. Right? Let's say that together. That is the best news there is. Those are the most important three words that we could ever say together. So ready? Here it comes. He has risen. He isn't here. See the place where they laid Him. But go, tell His disciples and Peter... He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were out of their minds, afraid. For the last 15 weeks, we've been on a journey together here at the church where we call Rethink. We're rethinking all of life in light of the Savior. And today is unlike any other day. It's the day when the impossible suddenly becomes possible. It is the day when Jesus' story and our story, they merge together in one glorious act, and we look at an empty tomb, and we say, He is risen. All of us, I think, we want a story that ends this way, don't we? We want our story to end this way. And so often we look at daily life. We look at the struggles. We look at the pain that we experience over and over and over again in this life. We look at the loss of loved ones. We look at the loss of jobs. Things don't seem to make sense. And every time that we experience some kind of pain, some kind of loss, some kind of interruption to everyday normal life, we say to ourselves, this is unnatural. Something is wrong here and we grieve what we know in our hearts we should expect, but we don't see. Some kind of change has taken place, and the story doesn't seem to work for us. And we wonder, why, why does this happen? Why do good people 
suffer? Why do bad things happen in the world? And the story of Easter is this. This is the big idea. This is the big truth. This is what you need to wrap your minds around. It was not intended to be that way. It was never intended to be that way. That is the story of the Bible, that we were once created by a good and loving God to be in relationship with Him, in relationship with other people that lasted into eternity with no loss and no death and no sin and no pain and no shame. Do you know what happened? Our first parents acting in our place, they broke the story. And ever since then, we have been dealing with the disruption that was caused that day so early on in our history. And the story of the Bible is our story. It says that over time we tried and we tried to regain ground, to make up that relationship, to make things right with our Creator. We tried to do religious stuff and we tried to do good stuff and we tried to do moral stuff. And every time we tried to do stuff, it just ended up in loss and chaos. And we ended up hurting people and hurting God in the process and abandoning Him and becoming a rebel ourselves. That's often the story that we live in, is it not? We try to do good things, and even the good things that we try to do, they end up okay, or they end up causing consequences that we didn't anticipate. But then just when it seems like that story is going to end that way, that that is the end of the story and we just need to deal with it, Easter Sunday comes. Easter Sunday, it comes, it breaks into our life, and we look at an empty cross, and we look at an empty tomb, and we hear the words of the angel say, He is risen, right? And suddenly we realize, like no other time in any history point in our entire background, that God, the entire way, whenever we stumbled, whenever we fall, whenever we tried to make up our own goodness and try to make our way back to God the entire time as we were being rebellious, God sent and sent and sent. Every time we ran, He pursued us. He ran after us because He loves us. And the story of the Bible is that it didn't end there, right? We find out that Jesus was sent on a rescue mission to save those who were in rebellion by God, for God, from God. And on Easter Sunday, we learned that that rescue mission was a success. Because we look at the empty tomb and we see that God's own Son, He died on the cross, He took on Himself the punishment for our rebellion. He became a rebel in our place. And then after three days, He rose from the grave, and he secured victory over sin and over death, conquering it through a Roman cross and an empty tomb. And today, today, this is our story. He is Lord of heaven and earth. He is the Savior of the world. This is Jesus. This is the part where you say amen. Amen. Right? (laughs) This is good stuff, is it not? I hope your pulse is racing a little bit today. That's what's supposed to happen on Easter. Easter is a celebration of the impossible. See, it offers to us the opportunity to rethink all of life in light of this new story. 
The story in which the dead come to life and even the worst among us are forgiven and cleansed and welcomed into God's kingdom and His family through the death of His Son on a cross. And so on this Easter morning, here's what I want to do. I want to challenge you. Uh, I think we all need to be challenged and I'm going to lay down the gauntlet this morning, okay? This is a great story. It is the story of stories. It is the way things are supposed to end. And for us to take hold of that story, we need to rethink some areas of our lives which keep us from experiencing that story ourselves. And so I'm going to ask you to rethink a few areas of life, and we're going to run through those together. And I want you to be listening for the voice of God as He speaks to you today. And be honest with yourself about where you're at and what you've done and where you've been and how you've missed out on the story Not in a way to guilt you or shame you, but in a way to say, today is a new day. And even those who are dead and have remained dead their entire lives, they can experience life today because he's risen. And so let's go through an area, a few areas that we need to rethink of our lives. If you're taking notes, these are going to be pretty important. The first one is this. We need to rethink your expectations. The Easter story causes us to rethink our expectations of life. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother of James, or Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. The context is this. These women, uh, they weren't coming to experience a resurrection. We often look at the Bible and we think everybody knew how the story was supposed to end. That's not the case. These women were going to anoint a dead body with spices. And what happened in the Jewish culture that day is that people were actually buried twice. They didn't have a way to embalm bodies to make them palatable for death. And so they would put them in a tomb and then they would anoint them with spices and then let them sit there until they rotted. Then they'd come back and collect all the bones and they'd put them in a box and put them to, to, for their real burial. And so what these women are actually doing is they're traveling to the tomb Spices in hand to make Jesus' body stink a little bit less. That's literally what they're doing. It doesn't say that specifically there, but that's what they're doing. They're going to put some spices on the body because these tombs, they were used by a number of people. And so if one guy was laid in there and then somebody else died and they had to be put into the same tomb, that second family would really like it if the first one took care of their corpse because if they went in, they roll back the tomb and it, like the stench comes out and you're like, woo, you know? And so people would come to the tomb and then they would uh, anoint their, their loved one's body so that it would stink a little bit less. That make sense? Well, let me try to pull out an applicational point from that. Um, oh, I will. I will. This being Easter, I realize, because of the size of the room here, that we have quite a few people that are here that haven't been here in a long time or haven't been here at all. And so we welcome you as guests. We love that you're here. We hope that you feel welcomed and warm and and, uh, part of our community. It's really what we strive to do as a church. Um, But at the same time, I realize that a lot of people are here not because they're in excitement about the risen Jesus, but it's Easter, and because it's Easter, you go to church with your family because um, later on you're going to have to have dinner with people. And uh, 
I'm going to be totally honest with you. And sometimes you're sitting around with those people, and they went to church, and you didn't. And there's like the stench of death in the air. You know what I'm talking about? And you just feel guilty because you didn't go to church. And so, and so you're here this morning because you're throwing spices on a dead body because you know you're going to have to be with people later on. You're like, it's going to stink, and uh, I'm just trying to mitigate the, the damage. <laughs> I told you I'd draw out an application from it. <laughs> wow is right, yeah. Somebody back here is like, he is reading my mind. I don't... <laughs> How did he do that? It's Easter. (laughs) Let me just say, if you're in that place, it is okay. It's okay, and you're welcome here. It really is. Because the first people who experienced Jesus, they weren't expecting to experience anything out of the ordinary. They were going there out of obligation because they had to, to do this very normal act in their day and age. Very much like people coming here. It's a normal act. You go through that motion every Sunday, every Easter. So if that's where you are, that's okay. But let me say to you, they experienced the shock of their lives, didn't they? They arrived at the tomb and suddenly everything was different for them. And so it's okay if you're there, but my prayer for you today is that you would leave here understanding or at least hearing a ringing in your ears that the impossible is now possible because Jesus is alive. And so even if you came here expecting some kind of dead religion and hymns, and and not that there's anything wrong with hymns, but uh, just kind of, you know, the rote tradition to come in and leave, that God would really intersect your story in a new way. And you'd leave here today understanding that the, the dead do rise from the grave. Jesus is proof of that. And he's proof that it can happen in your life too. Secondly, I would ask you to rethink your worth and your value. It says they were on the way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. Um, Women in that day and age, they were some strong women. They... uh, you know, they had to carry water, and they had to do a lot of manual labor around the home. It was an agrarian society, so they helped their husbands a lot in terms of growing and producing. A very manual sort of, of lifestyle. And so we're not talking about three kind of scrawny ladies here. We're talking about some, some heavy-duty women. They can pull their weight. At the same time, they're going to a tomb that has a stone in front of it that in all likelihood is at least one ton in weight. And so they're having a very practical conversation on the way there. Uh, Which one of us is going to roll the tomb? (laughs) Uh, Okay, Salome, you stand in front and try to pull, and then Mary and I will kind of crouch on top, and we're going to push, and we're going to see if we can get this thing to move because it's the only way to get into the tomb, right? What do they find when they get there, though? It's already done for them. Yes? It's already rolled away. All they have to do is show up, walk in, and see. That's it. All the heavy work has been done for them. Imagine that. Here's the application. There's so many times in life when we think that the heaviest lifting needs to be done by us, right? We experience problems and loss and pain in life, and we encounter those things and we think, how in the world am I ever going to overcome this? 
How in the world am I ever going to find the strength? How in the world am I ever going to find the patience or the ability to overcome this situation? Culminating with the loss of loved ones or our own death, we think, how in the world am I ever going to face this? And the reality of the tomb is that the heaviest lifting that you ever have to do in your life has been done for you. It's been done for you on your behalf by someone much stronger than you. That's the reality of the tomb. Because even when we face death, which is a problem that none of us can overcome, no one is strong enough to overcome. We look that problem in the eye and we see that God has taken care of it for you. How valuable are you in the sight of God? The answer is incredibly, yes? Because he has done the heavy lifting for you. He has taken the weight of the worst problems that you could ever endure on himself and his son, and he's paid them in full so that you can live in freedom from this day forward. That's Easter. That's what happens at the tomb. You are valuable in the sight of God. You are worth more than you imagine. Because even when you ran from him, he ran after you, sending his son in your place, defeating death for you. Thirdly, we need to rethink our priorities. Rethink our expectations, rethink our worth, and now our priorities. It says, as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. The angel, knowing what they're looking for, identifies for them their priority. Does he not? Who is it that they're they're looking for? Jesus, yes, the Sunday school answer. They're looking for Jesus. Which, if you're reading the story, you think, okay, it's in there. Obviously, he said it. But if you were one of the women walking into the tomb and the angel says to you, you're looking for Jesus, you'd think, no kidding I'm looking for Jesus. Why else would I be in a tomb? You know? Why else would I be here? It's important, though, because we need to see that even though Jesus has died, he is still the most important person in their life. He is still the one who their world revolves around. And they are at this point thinking that this person who they've invested in and spent time with and given money towards and given up their livelihood for and some of their families for, this person who they've put all their Easter eggs in one basket has smashed. How in the world are they ever going to live? He was still their number one priority in life. Here's the truth, though. If you make anything else your priority in life, anything else, just pick something. If you make your work, your vocation, your priority, if you make family or the acquisition of a family or a husband or children your priority, if you make your hobbies and what you enjoy out of life your ultimate priority, then ultimately all of those things will only one day in the future that's probably not too far away, all of those things will disappoint you one day. 
Children will leave the home. Spouses will die. Jobs will be lost. Hobbies will lose their fun or will get old enough that we can't enjoy them anymore. All those things, we place our eggs in those baskets and those baskets crumble. What, what if we place our eggs in Jesus? We learn by the empty tomb that he is risen. Death cannot conquer him anymore. And therefore, if you place your faith in him, it's always, it always comes to fruition. It is always valid. It is always there for you because he lives today and he lives to intercede for you and he lives to go and meet you on the other side of death. All that is true. And so you make him your ultimate priority and you will never, ever, ever be disappointed. Ever. You make something else your priority, you're bound for disappointment. Fourthly, uh, we're going to rethink, and I want to challenge you to this, to rethink your identity. It says, see the place where they laid him. This is the angel. But go tell the disciples, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Help me out with this, okay? Go tell the disciples and who? And Peter. What do we know about Peter? Well, he, he turns out to be a, a pretty great guy, right? A lot of stuff is written about him, and he goes on to write a lot of stuff. He goes on to lead the church. In a major way, he is one of the pillars of the faith. Is the angel pointing out Peter because he's so much better than everyone else? Why do you think he would point Peter out? Yeah, if you rewind the story a little bit, you learn that just three days prior, Jesus was suffering through his trial and some of the worst physical suffering that you and I could ever think up. And Peter is sitting across the courtyard from Jesus within eyesight of him. Under no duress, under no pain, not being asked any particularly difficult questions. And a small schoolgirl around a campfire says, Hey, aren't you one of the people that followed Jesus? And he goes, Nope, not me. Just 24 hours before that, he had told Jesus to his face, If it comes to it, I will die for you. And now a little girl is asking him an innocent question around a campfire, and he can't summon up the courage to a- answer with an affirmative. He not only does it three, or once, he does it three times, yes? Denial after denial after denial, and then he runs out weeping in shame. Imagine you're Peter for a second, and you've spent the last three days thinking to yourself, the last time I saw my Jesus, I denied him. I caused him pain. I caused him additional anguish to what he had already been experiencing. I am no good. I am nothing. I am not worth anything. And then Jesus rises from the dead, and he says through the angel, go tell the disciples, and oh, by the way, Tell Peter. Tell him. Tell him what's happened. Say to him he's risen. I'm just, 
imagining for a second, but if I'm Peter and those words come to me, the weight of the world has now just dropped off of my shoulders. He's alive. Oh, yeah, that's right. He said he would. And now he lives and he breathes to intercede for me. He's alive. I need to go and meet him. What a wonderful day this is for Peter. So let me ask you, if there have been moments in your life when you've looked back and you've thought to yourself, God is never, ever going to be able to forgive me for that. It's just too bad. It's too unworthy of forgiveness. I need to do something in response. I need to be a better person. And if I'm just a better person, then maybe, just maybe, God will choose to forget that bad thing about my past. And he'll look at the good things instead. And he'll accept me on the basis of those good things. Have you ever said that to yourself? I've said it to myself. The story of Easter, though, is that there is no good thing that you can do to make up for that bad thing. And yet God looks at all of you, all of who you are, all of who you've been, and he says to you on the basis of his son's sacrifice in your place for your sins, you are forgiven. You're free. And more than that, you are risen from the dead. Just as I rose my son from the dead, so I will rise you too. And you can come and live in my family and be part of who I am in the kingdom. See, we only think that God only sees part of us. The truth is, He sees all of you. He knows how messy you are. And yet He goes to the cross anyway for you. He he knows that you weren't going to live up. He knows that you were going to fail Him and disappoint Him. He knew that you were going to cause Him pain, and yet He did it anyway. Yes? Yes? And so rather than finding our identity in our own efforts, try to make up for our own sin, we need to be honest with ourselves and say, this is who I am, God. And know at the same time, God says, yes, I know. And I paid for it anyway. Last thing that we need to rethink is that we need to rethink our purpose. And I'm going to borrow from Matthew as he ends his gospel when he says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to do that today before you leave here. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. As surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The resurrection, it's not only a a one-point, a one-day thing that happened in our past. It's not just a future reality that we get to experience one day in heaven. It provides for all of us a pattern in which we get to live our lives every day. And so if you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, I, some days I just have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. I just, life just seems aimless to me. I get up and I experience life day after day. It just seems like the same rote thing over and over and over again. One day is the same as the next, is the same as the next. 
Some days I feel like I have purpose, and other days I just feel like nothing. The resurrection, it calls out to you this morning. It says not only do you have worth, not only do you have an identity in him, not only should you make him your priority, but when you do, you get a purpose unlike you've ever experienced before. Because you get wrapped up, not just into his family, but into his mission in the world. And that's what we're infatuated with here at Cultivate Church. We want to see people come to know him. We want to see gardens planted with good things produced for people that don't have stuff on their tables. We want to provide it for them in the name of Jesus and say, this is not God's will for you to be empty and hungry, so be whole and eat and enjoy It's for you. All of it pointing back to an empty tomb where God provided everything that we need. And so this morning, I would ask if you're following Jesus, that you would take the next step and get involved in his mission because it will provide for you purpose unlike anything that you've ever experienced. It will provide you more challenges and more joy than any video game that you've ever played before. And I'm serious about that. We have young men who spend hours in front of a a screen putting on armor and fighting battles because we think it amounts to something. And as soon as we unplug the cord, we realize that life is just as empty as when we picked up the controller. Am I speaking to the choir here or do do you hear me? Jesus, in his empty tomb, he calls out to us, young men, and he says, come with me. I have got a mission for you that will take all of you to complete, and I will be with you even to the end of the age. You want a challenge in life? You want to know what it's really all about? Then you pick up your cross and you follow Jesus. And he will make more of your life than you ever thought possible before. So where are you today? Being honest with yourself, are you walking through life with lowered expectations? When you see yourself in the mirror instead of a treasure, do you see someone who is worth less and value less? Where are your priorities? Do you chase after money or status or the approval of others, thinking that they will provide you an anchor in life? Or does your life lack purpose, and are there days when you wonder if getting out of bed is even worth it? If you've, I'll do the the infomercial thing. If you've answered yes to any of these questions, (laughs) then the good news for you today is that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And you can have new priorities and new value and, and new purpose in life and higher expectations than you ever thought possible. Today is Easter Sunday, and when Easter Sunday comes, everything changes, does it not? Are you feeling it yet? Yes? This is an amen moment. Paul puts it this way. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Are you looking for joy this morning? Are you looking for meaning and purpose? 
Are you in need of someone or something to place your identity in? In the cross of Jesus, it stands before you today. The open tomb stands before you today. And they offer to you the opportunity to rethink the impossible, yes? It is found in Jesus. It begins and ends with Him, the Son of God who loves you. He loves you. Do you get that? Who gave Himself for you, who rose from the dead for you. So live your life by faith in Him because He is risen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, so very much. And thank you is not nearly enough to express what it means for those of us who place our faith in you. To tell you just how much it means to us that you sent your son on a rescue mission for us. But we say it anyway, God, this morning. We say thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the open tomb. Thank you for your son. That while we were yet sinners, while we were yet rebellious, while we were yet running away from you, that you ran after us and you saved us through your son. My prayer this morning is for those of us that have accepted that gift, that we would be encouraged and our eyes opened and our life more joyous because we've been reminded of the fact that you've risen. For those of us who have yet to understand what that reality means for us, I pray that today would be a turning point. That it would be a day when they look into their own hearts and in their own lives and they would say, I get it. I get it. I understand you love me. You gave yourself for me. And so today I offer myself to you, God. I'm not perfect. I'll never live up. And yet I know you love me just the same and you sent your son for me to die in my place. And so God, I pray that you, in your goodness and grace, would give people the understanding that today can be a new day for them. And it is a new day for those people that we baptized here this morning. Thank you for your son, whom we love. We ask in his name.